animated movies. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Whedon. I'm another one of your hosts, Matthew Fisher. And this is a movie podcast by two guys who used to date and now they no longer date. <laughs> now we really stretch out our opening bit. <laughs> Try to keep it interesting, you know. Our oblique strategy card just said to stretch it out. <laughs> stretch it out. Thanks, Brian. You know. <laughs> Next, I'm going to bring in the I Ching, a la John Cage, and we'll have a whole set of uh, different instructions yeah, to go off let's of. Let's just consult uh, other things. I'm tired of trusting my gut. <laughs> yeah. We've been doing that for 150-odd episodes. Unless I pull a card that says trust my gut, in which case, mm. that's all I'm going to do. Brian Eno should sell the oblique strategies cards. Oh, he do. I have. Does I he? have it? Yeah. What? You've been holding out on me. <laughs> should I bring it next you time? You should bring it. Okay. Okay. I will. They're well, great. I love them. <laughs> uh, and then I'll get my I Ching all in order. Perfect. And we'll each have some sort of randomization given to us. Love it. And then someone will write a boring book about, and then they drew a card, and then they talked, and that was the podcast. And that was the origin of that episode. <laughs> that fabulous, fabulous episode. <sighs> so we're still in quarantine over mm, here, boy. you know. At least until the end of this current month. I mean, this th- we're getting to the point where this whole season might just be the quarantine season. Yeah. The quarantine season. Yeah. it's on, We're on our way. Yeah. We're well on our way. We're just foot on the gas it's become the like normal almost for me now to like social distance and uh you're like that dog in the cartoon where everything's on fire and you're like this is fine this is fine yeah actually i'm kind of mm, toasty i was cold anyway (laughs) so maybe this isn't a problem for you as you've been happily taken for a decade or so now Mm -hmm. but this whole like face mask thing is really throwing me off Mm. because i think it's hiding the unattractive parts of people's faces so i kind of just think like everybody's attractive now i don't know just just seeing their wanting eyes and you know you can you can get a flirt game on pretty far before someone takes that mask off yeah then it turns into uh that uh jessica rabbit lookalike <laughs> in toontown <laughs> yeah it's it, it's a high risk high reward situation here <laughs> but uh yeah, I don't know. Like, everyone's wearing face masks, and it's kind of working for me. Oh, okay. Love in the time of COVID. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm wanting them to, like, take off the mask and reveal just a James Franco with a mustache. But, mm-hmm. boy, it's a lot of investment to get there. Yeah, you really got to, like, find out who they've been hanging out with, like, how often they break quarantine. Yeah. They say that, like, when you have sex with someone, you're not just having sex with them, but, like, everybody that they've ever had sex with. Right. And now, like, if you're engaging with someone, if you're breaking quarantine, that's like social barebacking. Like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So you're you're socializing with anyone that they've socialized with recently. Yeah. And they could have been uh, socializing with people in nursing homes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> what sort of sick mind would do that? <laughs> Uh, they might work in a hospital. Oh, my God. Oh, t- heroes. But. <laughs> they might work at a grocery store. Oh, jeez. I just, I don't want to end up with someone like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't need a hero type. <laughs> um, uh, speaking of masks, 
what sort of mask do you wear out in public? Do you have something decorative? Have you um, created a, a lovely... I got a couple. You can see there's one over there. Oh, yeah. It's the um, uh, standard floral print. Uh, it's quite nice. Kind of... Uh, I, I feel like uh, lilies are a little grandma, but, you know, hey, that works <laughs> for you. funny you should mention that. They were made for my grandmother's panties. Oh, okay. <laughs> I hope you washed them. Well, you know... All that formaldehyde, I feel, is giving me an extra layer of protection. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> Obviously, if, like, death can't pierce through formaldehyde, then COVID can't pierce through it. That makes sense. Yeah. Sure, sure. Is that why you've been sipping on a glass of formaldehyde this whole time? <laughs> uh, well, yeah. It quickens the blood and uh, helps raise the, the immune humors. system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, no, mine is, unfortunately, not very chic. I don't have a good sort of a, a death mask like yours. Yeah, it's pirates, but whatever. Okay, well, it's, it's like skulls and crossbones. <laughs> that's true, that's like, true. Like, you could wave it around and, and say, like, I'm dying. <laughs> no, I, I want a face mask that looks like Immortan Joe from uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, yeah, that'd be cool. Uh, there is an old lady around here that I swear to God that if, if her face mask had that big toothy smile... That she would be mistaken for a Morton Joe. <laughs> like, she's just got all this white hair, like, just frizzy and out there. And she's always wearing a black face mask. And I think she, I think she just lives up the street from me because I see her walking. Uh. But, yeah, I'm like, all, all you're missing is the right face mask. And it'd be, that, that could be your Halloween costume. Villain from Fury Road. Has anybody worn um, like a Bane style one yet? Do you think? See, that'd be a good one too. Yeah, I'd like to see that running around. Even though he talks like a Morton Joe, I feel like Bane has the better impersonation to do. Listen, Batman. I've come here to break you. We're all gonna break our. I'm sorry, Tom Hardy is a brilliant, brilliant actor, but he is unintelligible in that movie. <laughs> Just, they take this gorgeous, hunky man and they cover his face up, mm -hmm. and he's got this beautiful British accent and voice, and they make him unintelligible. Yeah, it sounds just, like he's coming through a underwater speaker. Yeah. <laughs> like, we've both seen Frank with Michael Fassbender, right. and they keep him behind a mask the whole time. You can understand what he's saying, you though. You can understand what he's saying, though. But at least at some point, he takes off the mask in Frank. Spoiler alert. Maybe Frank is just a... a, a you know, a prescient fable about COVID. <gasps> wow. And he, he was social distancing the whole time. Oh my God. Yeah. Or that movie mask. With Jim Carrey. No, that's the mask mask with share. <laughs> what social distancing do they do in there? I don't know. I know. I, I was always confused as a kid because I was like, Oh, he's wearing a mask that looks like a scary face. Oh, <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, no. You misunderstood that movie. Yeah, yeah. I know now that was his face. I feel like I've talked about this on the podcast before, but there is a scene where they're having, like, a bonfire, and it's, you know, Eric Stoltz is, is Rocky, you mm -hmm. know, with, uh, there's a term for, like, lion something something. Yeah, I don't remember. Shares his mother. She's dating Sam Elliott. At this, like, bonfire thing, Sam Elliott, known, for, of course, for his mustache, 
is wearing a tight black tee that says mustache ride on it. And I'm like, you're wearing this around your girlfriend's kid? <laughs> like, I know Rocky's, like, chill, but come on. Have a little class, Sam Elliott. It was the early 80s. Are you making, like, it was a different time argument? Yeah. Like, when porking someone's mother was something you advertised. Yeah. <laughs> where cunnilingling a lady, a mom, was supposed to be... An out proud gesture worn on a t-shirt. Yeah, vaginas weren't a sacred place in the early 80s. <laughs> Damn you, Reagan. <laughs> Made vaginas taboo. Do you think he was talking about his own mustache then? With the shirt? Well, whose mustache could he have been talking about? Uh, I don't know. Maybe he just thought it was funny. In general. <laughs> en general. En <laughs> general. Uh, but, I mean, does that mean that you do, you don't think that Sam Elliott ate that puss out? Oh, he def ate that puss. De- I mean, that's why he got the mustache, no doubt. Right. For show. Sure. Tickle the clit. <laughs> that's what it's for. Clit tickler. <laughs> Boy, I don't know. If I was putting it to someone's parent, I might not advertise it in front of the kid. Just a, just a just yeah. personal, personal value of mine. Just a quality I hold. Counterpoint. <laughs> Kids got to grow up sometime. It's true. And, you know, Rocky probably grew up fast. Sure. Yeah. Like, he had a bumpy life, as it were. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Save it for our mask episode, Matt. <laughs> feel like we've we've had a good banter <laughs> I, th- I think we have more than enough at this point oh god okay yes <laughs> yeah we have to move this log uh we need to start talking about today's movie matt well I, I i cannot defend my stance on quarantine breaking but if if i had to i think you and i could defending our life <laughs> Funnily enough, that's the name of today's movie, (laughs) Defending Your Life. We've done some hard pivots before, but that one, I think, just about yanked my shoulder out of the socket. (laughs) Yes, today's movie, 1991, Albert Brooks, written, directed, starring, and don't forget, Meryl Streep. This is our first Meryl Streep joint. I was thinking about that. I was like, how have we done 150 (laughs) da-da-da episodes and not had Meryl Streep in a single, like, not even as, like, a supporting role or voice actress. Not even in a quick and dirty. Yeah. Nothing. Like, not a damn thing. But I don't remember which episode I was talking about. I was like, I don't want to, like, belittle Meryl Streep, but she's just not. Never in things you like. She, yeah, she's never in movies that I want to see. Yeah. So, like, brilliant as she is, we, you know. Yeah. Well. I'll just I'll ask you straight out did did you enjoy seeing her in this movie? I did enjoy seeing her in this movie. Yes. All right, cool. Okay, good. <laughs> She's kind of a breath of fresh air, I feel. It's nice seeing her just be easy, laid back. This character's very she asked simple. for the check up front and just showed up drunk every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh no, she wanted to be in this movie. Oh, really? Like, yeah, she asked when Albert Books was telling her about it. She's like, "So where's my part in this?" 
Oh, yeah, because apparently they were at a party at Carrie Fisher's because Postcards from the Edge had just finished. Oh, okay. And he was there, and he was talking with her, and she's like, I want to be in it. And so he kind of rewrote the part for her. Why was Albert Brooks at that party? I don't know. I always hear about these, like, Hollywood soirees. Like, Sarah Silverman has a big one every year, Mm -hmm. and she has, like, a sign on her door that says, uh, no asking anyone to be on your podcast. Right. (laughs) And I guess Mark Maron has asked Albert Brooks several times, and it's just not one of... Albert Brooks's things. No, he won't do it. He won't do it. And I guess at the party, like Albert Brooks sought out Mark Marin and like decided, like, let's be funny and awkward. He's like, let's do it right now. Let's <laughs> grab some microphones. Let's do the podcast right now. <laughs> Damn you! <Yeah. laughs> I don't know. I like Albert Brooks in general. I, mean, I think he was like a bigger thing. En general, yeah, en general. But I think in the eighties and nineties, he was a bigger deal than we remember him as being. Well, yeah, because he. I don't know if he was a actual cast member but he did work on saturday night live for a little while yeah as like a recurring cast member but not a a a regular cast member yeah but he was in like broadcast news Mm -hmm. and um he he made a movie something america lost in america lost in america which was a big deal modern love i think was also sort of a big deal mother was a big movie yeah before Bong Joon Ho and Darren Aronofsky did it, <laughs> but um, with Debbie Reynolds, which is how we met Carrie Fisher. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, yeah, he was like he was kind of a big deal. He was a name anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, He's in The Simpsons. Oh yeah. Meet me tomorrow for brunch. What's brunch? You'd love it. It's not quite breakfast. It's not quite lunch, but it comes with a slice of cantaloupe at the end. Thank you, Martha Quinn. There you have it unrehearsed testimonies from important celebrities. Here we have a man with an obvious eating disorder and a woman with a bizarre hairstyle I'm sure won't only for shock value. Try the papayas. They're juicy and full of papayin. Makes you strong like Popeye. Popeye, papayin, Popeye, papayin. See? Same thing. Same thing. Uh, forget it. I watched this movie a lot as a kid. Oh, really? I did, yeah. And I it holds up and believe, and you know, I think. And I also think that rings so different to me now like 30 years on well uh one the not to jump too far ahead like the defending your life portion Mm -hmm. it's sort of just a therapy session right (laughs) yeah like it's just sort of a a fantastical therapy session Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which of course you have a fascination with at the moment i love it i love seeing it on screen it's great but i remember i think it was in the beetlejuice episode that you said that you like the idea of the afterlife just being like a bunch of like paper pushers and bureaucrats Uh i'm like "Hmm." i mean this isn't like the i mean it is an afterlife but it's not like the afterlife but like like, yeah part of it yeah but it's like everyone here in judgment city is like you know a lawyer or a judge or something like that so it's in that you know under that yeah. umbrella yeah well they do i i really like the like line of dialogue that they give when they're first like on the tram and she's like now if we've done our work correctly you should all be from the western half of the united states even though this isn't the earth our surroundings should seem pleasing and very familiar to you you know what that's good writing otherwise this whole movie i'd be like well why does it just look like los angeles you know mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. give me one line of dialogue we're done you know <laughs> that's good writing to me <laughs> We made this movie look like a backlot in the Paramount set. <laughs> yeah. Because we knew it would be easily digestible. <laughs> um, I feel like this is just some no frills, high concept movie making. Like, I feel like it's a budget movie almost even. Like, you don't have, I don't think the budget for this could be very high at all. I didn't look it up. 
but like it keeps my interest. I don't know. I like the idea that we're selling an idea more than anything else here. Selling an idea? Yeah. Uh, expand on that. Well, the idea of Judgment City in general is okay. kind of fun. Um, and then I also like the idea of being forced to reckon with just like certain aspects of your life, certain thoughts that you've had and just sort of like being forced to, yeah, look back and say, here are some moments where you could have been better. Okay. How do you defend yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, all right. You, you know, slip on a dildo today and then you fall on another dildo and die. (laughs) Right through the heart. I was thinking, I was thinking you hit your head on oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm impaled by the dildo in my scenario. Just wobbling there. <laughs> Not even a hard dildo. <laughs> no, don't pull it out. That'll just... It'll bleed out then. <laughs> um, and you're transported to Judgment City. Uh-huh. How many days do you think they're going to look over in your not trial? Uh, six. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, so better. You... I'm better than Albert Brooks. Oh, really? But not quite as good as uh, Meryl Streep. <laughs> he was like a yuppie... I didn't, I didn't. Yeah, so okay, that that is uh, uh, maybe we'll revisit that. But so you put a, you, put a, put a pin in the money yeah, issue. Put a pin in the yeah. money issue. Okay. So you think you're less fearful than Albert Brooks? Sure. Okay. Yeah, but not as fearless as Meryl Streep. Yeah, I'm Julia. not sure I would run into a burning building to get my cat. <gasps> you wouldn't save extreme danger from extreme danger. <laughs> He's like 16 and. Uh, I don't know. You'd stand out saying, like, he had a good run. (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm like, my dildo! (laughs) That's what it is. I run in to get it, and I slip coming down the stairs. (laughs) (laughs) How ironic. (laughs) I mean, I've seen how much your cat pees. He could probably put out the fire. (laughs) And then he just walks out on top of my corpse. It's like a sort of situation. <laughs> I'm, at, I'm at my defending thing like, damn it, he did fine? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Just the image of you running out with like an arm full of <laughs> floppy t- <laughs> from a house on fire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> They might use that scene in my defending life. Like, this has nothing to do with uh, how Ryan needs to defend himself. We just think it's hilarious. (laughs) Oh, right in the heart. (laughs) It reminds me of that scene in this movie where they're like... uh, At this time, I'd like to present a compilation of general misjudgments. Half of them fear-based, half of them just stupid. How awful would that be to just sit there and have to see yourself make like bad decisions? Yeah, just a a tight... (laughs) concentration of with like the benny hill theme playing practically <laughs> well it was like one was like he was locked in his own car yeah i didn't understand the the and he had like a clothes hanger like that you'd use to like get an old style like yeah unlock and i was like but he's in his car what does he think he's doing i don't know I don't I, yeah know. I, I i didn't like i still laughed at that scene i was like what is the logic here <laughs> 
So this is one thing, and I, I was going to ask you, because neither of his lawyers seem to do a very good job. <laughs> you don't think Rip Torn's a good lawyer? I don't think he's a good lawyer, mm, no. Okay. Well, A, he, Defender. Didn't, he, he didn't win the case. Um, well, he did eventually. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Quick note, Rip Torn is crazy in real life. <laughs> Did you know that he was arrested for robbing a bank in, like, 2011? On the night of January 29th, Connecticut police arrested Rip Torn inside this bank with a loaded gun. He was charged with criminal trespass, carrying a gun without a permit, carrying a gun while intoxicated, burglary, and criminal mischief. Tuesday, he pleaded not guilty to the charges. State police say the 79-year-old was so intoxicated that night that he broke into the bank with a loaded gun, thinking it was his home, taking off his hat and boots and leaving them by the door. He's kind of great in this movie, I think. <laughs> yeah, he's good, but it's just like, part of me, like, I can't see Rip Torn without just thinking of, like, how bank crazy <laughs> he really is. In this movie, and also I was feeling like in the in Men in Black, he's kind of playing the same character, yeah, like someone who's a little above it and like has knowledge that he, that like nobody else knows. He's like he's kind of good at playing that because he he plays a similar role in the Gary Shandlin show because he plays like a network executive, and then it's sort of homaged in Thirty Rock where he plays like the chairman of General Electric, like oh, okay. like Alec Baldwin's boss in that. I got a welt on my ass the size of a red delicious apple. That's just his thing. Yeah, but just super identifiable. Like, you couldn't mistake Rip Torn for anyone else. Yeah, yeah. I also just don't feel like he's ever doing a character. He's sort of just <laughs> doing versions of Rip Torn. Yeah, kind of. Uh. Like, I don't recognize him in uh, Man Who Fell to Earth, but mm -hmm. um, basically, like, once he hit the late 80s, like, he found his stride, and he just wrote it to the end. Like, Actually, I'm a character actor. I yeah. should just lean into that. Yeah. Yeah. But so, okay, so premise, I don't know if we have, we've said it yet, but, like, you die, you go to Judgment City, and you have to, like, go to this, like, courtroom-style session where you have to, like, relive moments of your life. There's a lawyer or defender and a prosecutor, basically, and they, like, pick moments from your life. And there's not a good or bad, and you don't, like, go to heaven or hell with this. You either, like move on to become a citizen of the universe or you get to go back to earth and try again and it sort of plays out like a therapy session yeah. they sort of like pick a uh, raw nerve moment in your life the prosecutor does makes you watch it and then it's like what do you what were you feeling in that moment why did you make this decision why didn't you choose Although, to do this julia meryl streep's character i don't know if the fire burning was like a raw nerve moment because like she was like <laughs> tucked up on her chair like she was basically like eating popcorn while watching it going back to the cat is wonderful what kind of cat was it Julie? persian oh i love persian i think the judges even said like they're just like that was fabulous to watch again yeah <laughs> but you know meryl streep of course living like the pure good life one of her kids is adopted and yeah they mentioned some other good things that she had done i don't remember them now but she, she slipped over some patio furniture and drowned in a pool to die. Which, you know... Pissed her off because she's a Much like swimmer. you with Dildo, she was a very talented <laughs> swimmer. <Yeah. laughs> she didn't want to mention because she said she was embarrassed about it. She was actually carrying a bunch of uh, dildos out to the pool to use. Uh, and so she slipped. <laughs> Had to bring the whole menagerie of them. Yeah. She did trip over some patio furniture, but she didn't drown. She actually was impaled by a huge dildo. Dildo impalement is a serious issue in this country. <laughs> we don't talk about it enough. <laughs> 
How much do you want to go to Judgment City, by the way? Well, I mean, there are perks to it, but it doesn't seem very lively. Like, it seems like a good place to get a bite, because nothing that you eat, like, calories don't count, and... I would fucking be eating all the time. Oh, what's, constantly, what's, constantly. What's the thing that you would just be always eating? Like, what would be the first thing you're like, I can eat whatever I want? Fuck, here we go. Honestly... Like, I'm going to, like, the most low-rent, awful food for you. Mm. I would fucking eat, like, Dairy Queen banana split, like, bottomless. Yeah. I was like, my first thought was potato chips. Like, I would just get a huge bag and just go nuts. Cheez-Its. I would just be eating them in my trial. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) doesn't matter. Wiping your orange uh, uh, powdered fingers on the, (sighs) the, the Judgment City furniture. They say you can eat as much as you want and you don't gain weight or... And it but do you feel full ever? Well, see, it, it, they said that it doesn't affect you physically. And yeah. I was like, I didn't know if they meant that just in terms of weight gain. But I was like, part of like the fun of eating is that like satisfied sort of like, oh, yeah, that was good feel. Yeah, I was wondering about that. And so it's like if you don't get that like satiating feel that you get like after a big meal when you're really hungry, I was like, well, I don't know if it'll be any good then. Like. That's half the fun, I think. Yeah, she, like they go to that Italian restaurant. Meryl Streep gets that huge bowl of pasta. I'm like, that that's, could feed four people. Albert Brooks gets that massive omelet. I know, but I'm just like, do you feel full afterwards? I don't know if we even see them have a full meal. No, yeah, I never, like, they, uh, like I never see them finish the meal. I guess I should say. Yeah, it's kind of a shame. But no, I was wondering that too because I don't know. That's. One of the joys of eating is the satisfaction afterwards. Yeah. And honestly, one of the joys of going out to eat is like you order, then there's like you have to wait for them to cook it and then they bring it out. And uh, in Judgment City, it's like immediate. Yeah. So I don't know if that's as satisfying, but I don't know if it's like if it tastes good. Do I really need the like waiting part? I don't know. Uh. Anyway, I would just fucking eat all the time. <laughs> like when that when the guy was like. Telling him, he's like, I don't want pies. You're embarrassing me. I'm like, bring on the pies. Yeah. <laughs> like, he brought out, like, two pies. And he's like, oh, I, I, I didn't I didn't ask for this. It's like, I mean, he asked you if you like pie. Yeah. And then he brought out two pies for you. About nine pies. Not, oh, was it nine pies? Yeah, he's like, you like a pie? I love pie. I like you. I'm going to bring you nine pies to take with you. A pie for every day. Yeah, I'd fucking chow down. That'd be my only meal. I just eat pie all the time. Yeah, who cares? Like, I, that, that scene always like strikes me as false because it's like, wh- what are you being neurotic about? Yeah. <laughs> like, get over yourself. I mean, speaking of neuroticism, I always feel like Albert Brooks's movies, like specifically the ones like he writes and directs and stars in, like he is like a concentration of Woody Allen a little bit. Like this mm. one has like elements of like Sleeper in a little bit. Like oh. Sleeper's more science fiction. This is, I guess, more fantasy. fantasy. Yeah. But he also has like what we now consider to be that like stereotypical Jewish neuroticism to him. And you know, Woody Allen also has a fascination with therapy, and he likes to work in sort of therapy analogs into his movie. And this has that as well. So yeah. this continues my belief that like where Woody makes like one movie a year mm-hmm. of like varying quality. I feel like our books kind of just like makes one movie every three or four years that overall can like some of them have higher quality, I guess I should say. Yeah. It's kind of nice to see anxiety of this sort on screen. Like there's that part where he's talking about why he doesn't want to sleep with Meryl Streep. How do you know what's going to happen? I don't. I don't. But let's say it's the most amazing thing that ever was. 
then what am I going to do? By the looks of things, we're not going to the same place. So what, I'll just have to miss it forever and ever and ever? Then what if it's not so good? And I won't even be able to fantasize about it. He just sets it up so it's a lose-lose mm-hmm. situation, and I'm just like, oh, I do that all the time for myself. Oh, really? Yeah. So maybe I'm neurotic. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, I'm going to therapy. So, <laughs> I mean, I was watching this and like seeing... Like, especially the relationship between him and Meryl and how it played out. I was like, I would have handled this 100% differently. Like, I would have to, like, go back to Earth just for simply being too hedonistic. Like... In Judgment City? Yeah. <laughs> like... I know. Why are people living it up there? That's the thing I don't understand. Yeah, because, like, I would have... If I was in Albert Brooks' shoes, I would have slept with her immediately. Like, yeah. night one. I'd be like, why are we wearing these tupas? Fuck this. <laughs> Come back to my place. I got all the dildos you can manage. <laughs> What's the sex store in Judgment City like? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they don't talk about currency, so I don't know what the means of exchange is there. Yeah. But, like... You don't I, even have to be seated at restaurants. You just walk in and sit down. If I want, like, a dildo bonanza, like, what is the, the quantity of my bonanza going to be? Yeah. I just think it sounds awesome. Like, I would want to live in Judgment City. How do you get to be a resident of Judgment City? That was another question I had. Well, yeah, I'm sort of assuming they don't go into too great of details, but there is sort of this, if in your judgment you lose, then you are reincarnated, essentially. Mm -hmm. But then if you win, then you move on. And they don't really specify what moving Uh, on is. Yeah, I think they call you a citizen of the universe, whatever that means. And so... I would imagine that maybe once you're a citizen of the universe, you'd have the option of living in Judgment City or or some... I mean, Judgment City was just one city that managed the deceased of, like, Western, the Western United, United States. States. Yeah, so there's several. Yeah, so there's, you know, Judgment City and, and Judgetown and... Uh, <laughs> uh, Judgeville. Moratoriaopolis. <laughs> And uh, critique Justice Springs. <laughs> yeah, so there's got to be all these other little judgment bergs yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, We've, I don't know, we've made your, uh, if we've done this correctly, you look, this should look like you're from war-torn Europe. Uh, <laughs> if we've it, done this correctly, this will look like... War ravaged Democratic Republic of Congo. Yeah. Um, if we've done this right, this will look like the demilitarized zone in South Korea. Yeah, it's a very white movie. Just looking back. Also, it's a product of its time. There's some like humor that is not fun. Like when he goes to the sushi restaurant. Yeah, it's a little. It wasn't too bad. It wasn't though. too bad. Thank you not leaving i'm just going to take a piss take a piss and there were just some jokes that hit a little flat for me i did laugh however when that old lady when he's like on the tram the first day oh yeah she's like so young eight yeah (laughs) that was good uh she actually she cracked me up (laughs) she's like your hair reminds me of a poodle I had a poodle. Did you ever have a dog? You asked me that twice. <laughs> What'd you say? Yes. What'd I say? You said it's wonderful. Well, it is. That lady was funny. I liked her. <laughs> I did laugh uh, out loud a couple times. Oh, so did this. I. So did I. Yeah. 
But I, I did find it odd that you chose a movie where, as you historically have had such a problem with well-to-do, straight, white, married people, that Albert Brooks really is that, because I did the math. He was doing quite all right for himself. Like, I know that L.A. is an expensive city, but... And I, I, I couldn't find, like, exact inflation numbers to, like, put it in, in 1991 terms, but... He was doing quite well for yeah. himself. $49,000 car in 1991 was probably pretty expensive. $49,000 in 1991 money is $92,860.76. For that little beater? It was a tiny little convertible. It was a BMW. I know. But wait, was the car $49,000? That was the salary that he accepted. Oh, right. No, the, the car was thirty. Four thousand or something okay. like that. Yeah. Well, I didn't do the math on the car, but if forty nine thousand in nineteen ninety one money is ninety two thousand dollars, then hey, that's your starting salary. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, he was fighting for a sixty five thousand dollars salary, which was, would have been a hundred twenty three thousand dollars. It's like he's doing okay. Oh, he's doing fine. Yeah. Well, because they also talk about how he was too nervous to invest in Casio, right? And. These numbers might not be exact because it said that he was in his early 20s when this opportunity arose and that he had set aside $10,000 to invest in something. (laughs) Which we can all relate to. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, okay. So I was like, let's just assume that Albert Brooks's character is the same age that Albert Brooks is in real life. Okay. Which was 44 when this movie was released. Okay. And I was like, that sounds reasonable because at some point they do say like, oh, your mid 30s were tough on you. So Mm -hmm. that does sort of imply that he's... In his 40s someplace. I think he's. it's his 40th birthday is the, is the beginning of the movie. Oh, like, is it his 40th? I, yeah, I think he bought the car for his 40th birthday. Okay, well, <laughs> so these numbers might be a little off, but he was 44 in real life when this movie was released. So, okay, a couple years out of college, let's say he was 24. Okay. So I was like, in the two years since he graduated college, he, he put aside $10,000 to invest. <laughs> That $10,000 in 1971 money is the equivalent of $63,700 in today money. So that means when he's 24, he's got 63 grand in just whatever money. Post-college, he put away $30,000 a year. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) So, yeah, part of me is like, I don't know, like... His li- he it really seems like he had an all right life. Worked in advertising, raked in starting salary of ninety two grand a year. Yeah, yeah. And then he got a raise six months later. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I have a tough time like feeling bad for him. Like, oh, he goes back to Earth and like has to start all over again, and now he can get that bigger starting salary like i don't know but it's not about the money matt it's about the fact that he was afraid it's true it's true (laughs) he even says like when he first meets his defender did you give a lot to charity well i mean i sure i'm sure i could have given more how much do you have to give what's the total don't worry about it relax he's just sort of like pointing out that like it's not about the money it's not about what you give away it's not about how you are with your money even it's about the um intention behind what you do with that money uh that's at play here Uh, he wanted the best radio and it comes with a cd player yeah which he played barbara streisand did you notice that oh yeah i thought this movie was a little bit older than it was like 1991 seemed a little like 
my memory, of course, from this that era is spotty at best. But uh, like his friend had given him all those CDs in long boxes. I was like, God, I thought those had gone away by 1991. <laughs> also, his CD handling skills are amateur. He grabs it from the outside edge and pulls back. I'm like, you're going to crack your CD, sir. Oh, you're going to get fingerprints all over that uh, shit. Bug the hell out of me. And it's a fraction of a second. It's like 15 frames. You're, you're just like, I'm out of the movie. You're yeah, done. Yeah, I'm like, I'm done. This guy <laughs> deserves whatever he gets. <laughs> yeah, I know. I Okay, so I understand that this goes against the grain of what I would normally be appreciating. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I like the lightness of it. I like that it's got that concept, like this fun concept to play around with. And I don't know. I kind of don't care that it's a straight romance. Cause like you could play it the same way too with like a gay, like it, I don't know. It just, it worked for me. I'm not the one with the, the historical hatred against the straights here. You are, Yeah. you're defending your, past sir um as Walt Whitman would say I am huge I contain multitudes so <laughs> so Rip Torn was one of his was one of the defenders did you know who the other one was I didn't uh so that's Buck Henry okay he uh wrote The Graduate now I operate a little differently from Mr. Diamond but without tooting my own horn I'm quite good at this he just died recently so when I saw his name in the credits I was like oh god I made sure to like figure out which one he was wow. in the movie but yeah he died just like late 2019 but yeah he, he wrote the graduate he wrote like other things too but that's what he's best known for that's fine. and another 30 rock reference he played liz lemon's father in 30 rock well fun look mm-hmm. at that yeah wouldn't be a lemon party without old dick i feel like he was a bad defender though well once it got to his point i th- thought that the defenders were going to get increasingly inept mm-hmm. and that was going to force him to defend his life on oh, his own terms. Then, Sure. I really didn't understand why they had him in just for that middle portion. I feel like Rip Torn couldn't come into work that day or something <laughs> in real life. Like the character couldn't come to work yeah, yeah. and he really couldn't come to work. Rip yeah. Torn. Or I don't know. I, I, like maybe it's just like a way to up, Albert Brooks's character's anxiety about mm. the whole situation, even though it's like not about, it's not even about winning or losing. It's almost sort of just like, be honest. Well, like, tell us you, what you were thinking. If you went to your therapist and there was a substitute that day, what would you feel? I wouldn't talk. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, I have a relationship built with this person over years or months now. Um, but that's different because, like, you don't have like substitutes in that. But, but I mean, the the concept of it, like sure. if you showed up and was like, oh, he was sick today, so I'll be taking over. Yeah. Like you would kind of close up and be like, ah. I don't feel like talking today. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 for okay. sure. But you're, I mean, you're right. This, this also does sort of like play out like a therapy session. And I kind of like that aspect of it too. Because like the first day when she the prosecutor shows the bully scene and then she's like, what were you thinking in this situation? And uh, why didn't you fight back? It seems like a perfect opportunity and you would have been in the right. Da, 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 da. And then, uh, you know, his defender comes in and is like, well, he was showing restraint. And, uh, and I think that's a very noble thing to do. And Albert Brooks is like, yeah. And then she's like, Mr. Miller, in the schoolyard, did you want to hit that child back? Well, I wanted to hit him back, but I felt restraint. 
felt restraint, I see. And do you think that restraint is the best course of action every single time in every case? No. Wouldn't this have been a case to not restrain yourself? I believe if you'd have stuck up for yourself, this event would not have haunted you throughout your entire lifetime. That is the kind of thing that you do. Like, you rationalize moments in your life where you're like, fuck, I should have done this. But actually, no, I was, you can rewrite it in a way that you're like, that was actually a good decision. I was doing the right thing, even mm -hmm. though you deep down feel that that's incorrect. Sure, so, sure. So um, that's interesting to me. Yeah. I, I mean, like the, while watching it, like, you know, uh, rich, straight, white couple parts aside, I was like, I can definitely see why Ryan chose this movie. Yeah. I was like, A, Afterlights being bureaucrats. I know that he already likes that idea, but it was like, also this sort of uh, hyper real therapy session. I was like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, I can kind of see why he, why this one also, and it may, maybe, <laughs> I was like, Maybe I reminded him of this movie when we were talking about Dragon Lady a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, I have the same note. <laughs> Is there a prosecutor? Damn good one. Lena Foster. We call her the Dragon Lady. I was like, she's not even Asian. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, thank God. <laughs> that would have been real bad. Because, yeah, everyone's like, we call her Dragon Lady. And I was like, oh, God, if she's Asian, <laughs> like, I just don't know what I'm going to be able to do with this movie. Yeah, there's but... a, lot of, a lot more bad humor towards Asians than I would have liked. The part where he's talking about like when they're in line for the past lives pavilion and he's like Well one time in college I got really stoned and I stared into this mirror for two hours until I finally saw someone who looked Chinese. But I think it was just me squinting. Uh, yeah. Not and that's when like Meryl Streep falls in love with him. She's like <laughs> <laughs> So good acting on her part. Mm -hmm. Um but Matt, I wanna ask you a question. This is like a horcrux thing where it's like, what were you in a past life? <laughs> no. But put a pin in that. We're coming back to past lives. Okay. But what is a moment in your life that you would not want to be shown on this day? <sighs> or one that you would want your prosecutor to show as like an example of like, look what a great human I am. I mean, oh God. We can't count sex stuff, right? Because that, no matter who you are, it's going to be a little gross. <laughs> Like, even if you're just, like, straight vanilla, that means that, like, doing it across the bed instead of up and down is, like, a moment of terror and, you know. You have to share it with, like, lots of strangers. So, sex stuff is off the table, right? I mean, unless you're really proud of it. <laughs> wait, so, Or ashamed? I don't know. Wait, wait, so what, what are wait, you defending? What, well, no, no, what are you asking? Like, it's something that, that goes through my head a lot. Sure. Yeah. And I'm I can either be proud or ashamed of it. Why not? Consider this a therapy session. I was going to say the odd thing is I knew this question was going to come up. I was like we're going to ask each other what days <laughs> like they're going to examine. Uh-huh. And for some reason even though I knew you were going to ask this, I didn't come up with an answer. Hmm. Um, it's not up to us little brains to come up with the uh, for our prosecutors and defenders. Well, I was I mean, I'm not going to say that I'm a great boyfriend now, but I, when I was like 18, 19, I was a real shitty boyfriend, mm. real, real shitty. And there, there's a couple times like, you know, I would like break up with someone and then be like, let's just have one more night together. <laughs> I, I think I pulled that one like four or five times. And so probably at least one of those. It's not fun to relive. Yeah. 
just seen what a shit bag I was. Mm-hmm. Like I would never do that now. Yeah. But yeah, probably when I was like 18, 19, like one of those instances of me like just getting like that, like, cause I knew that they'd like, you know, try and win me back that night. And you know, I just enjoy the spoils. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oof. I'm in a similar boat. Okay. Just the way that I would like date somebody for a while. And because I wasn't mature enough to say, I don't want to see you anymore. I would just stop returning calls and you'd ghost them. Yeah. Like that stuff. Yeah. That's not great. Yeah. I definitely feel real guilty about that. Yeah. I don't think I ever did it in this way, but I had a girlfriend, not a romantic girlfriend, but a friend who was a lady. Yeah. And she would definitely do the, like, I'm just going to be a terrible girlfriend until they break up with me. Mm -hmm. And even when I was, like, 19, I was like, that is low. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go break up with this guy and bang him afterwards. But that is low. (laughs) I also, okay, so just from a movie perspective, I think this could be a more successful movie if those, like, scenes that we were watching were POV. Like, we were actually oh. seeing them from his point of view. Because then, in the final Being one... Being John Malkovich style? Yeah. Because then, in the final one, we we watched that scene from, like, an audience standpoint when he's talking to Meryl Streep and she's being like, come fuck me, I've got a white on, let's do this. <laughs> and he's like, no, I can't, blah. We see that from the audience perspective, but then they show it and it's the same perspective we just saw. Oh, right. And it's like... What if that switched and we saw that scene from his perspective suddenly? We see how alluring she is and how much she's like. Because, you know, Meryl Streep could sell it to the, like, with oh, a camera in her face. Yeah. And you'd be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> and it could also, like, you know, do a pan where it's like he's just, like, looking down into, like, his kneading yeah. his hands a little bit. Like, yeah, no, you're right there. I mean, my only complaint with this movie and like it's going to sound like a bigger complaint than it is but it's the direction Hmm. like i like albert brooks's writing and i think that he is a good actor and i think that he should star in the movies that he writes Uh but i wish he had a more like a confidant to direct the movie that was maybe a little bit more adept or sensitive to this stuff because i think he's just stretched a little too thin there's nothing special about the direction i'll give you that and i just like not everyone can be Woody Allen. Like they can't write, star, and direct an AFI movie. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet that like the only AFI movie that the star of the movie also wrote it and directed is probably Annie Hall, Citizen Kane. No, oh, Citizen Kane. You're right. <laughs> so okay, so you know this movie ain't Citizen Kane or Annie <laughs> Hall. And so yeah, I just kind of feel like if if he had. Someone to direct the movie for him, it would just... Take it up another level. Yeah. I mean, we kind of had the same complaint with uh, Dark Crystal. Sure. Like, yeah, Frank Oz was there, but, like, Jim Henson was still just trying to direct it. And And do all the puppeting and, like, yeah. Yeah. Taking care of all the creative work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just, yeah, just, you know, your mind resources can only be stretched so thin. Yeah. I do feel, though, still that, like... There's an evergreen quality to this movie that I really like. Like, I watched it as a kid and loved it, and I loved thinking about it, and I loved going back to it this time around because mm. it hit me differently. Like, there's days that I was thinking about when I was a kid watching this movie, and there are days now looking back on my life that I'm like, oh, it's a totally different scenario, you mm. know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I like that you can revisit this movie and it'll hit you differently. Okay. 
I just think that's smart writing. Yeah, I know. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Albert Brooks is a very smart guy. Yeah, I mean, he's also sort of odd. You like... have to be smart to be as neurotic as him. <laughs> I heard it was a uh, uh, Rob Reiner telling the story about Albert Brooks, and it was like he did some bit in rehearsal at Saturday Night Live, and it just bombed during rehearsal, mm. and. So, like, everyone asked him to, like, retool it or do something different or not do it. And, you know, showtime came and he was going to do the exact same bit as rehearsed. Like, no changes, no alterations. And Rob Ryan was like, do you think that's smart? He's like, this is the bit. Like, it doesn't matter that it bombed. This is the bit. And, like, that's the sort of just, like, almost stubbornness that I think that he has. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, like, he has a vision for what he wants it to be. And he's kind of uncompromising in it. And, you know, that's just the type of guy that he is. Yeah. And it works sometimes, and there are times it doesn't. Yeah. So. <laughs> over, but, well, okay, so did you like the movie? I did enjoy the movie, yeah. Good, yeah. It's not meant to be, like, anything major. Yeah, it's not like a five-star film or anything <laughs> no, for me. But... But, like, but I feel like for such a fluff light thing, it's got meat on it that makes me think. And I like that sort of, you know, it just like washes over you, but you still have something to chew on afterwards. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's a nice combo for me. It's like, yeah. a, like a spree. Yeah. <laughs> a little chewy, a little crunchy. <laughs> kind of both. And I think Albert Brooks has turned into like a fabulous sort of dramatic actor too. Like, uh, I don't know when the last time you saw Drive was. Oh, but right. Yeah. He's fantastic in that movie. I forgot he's in And there. like, you wouldn't think that he could play a villain very well but he really does yeah he's fun yeah I'm glad he's i'm glad he's around yeah okay i'm unpinning a pin past life's pavilion oh yeah fun or not fun well me <laughs> first of all shirley mclean is makes a cameo yeah, sure, mclean yeah that's a lot of fun makes makes perfect sense i was like this is the perfect person for this cameo yeah. <laughs> welcome to the past lives pavilion oh my god but so you're in the past lives pavilion. You put your hand on the plate, and up pops. Uh, ideally, yeah. Uh, lady Viking, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some sort of, you know, Norse Valhalla Valkyrie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Ideally, okay. Yours? I'm picturing a uh, Salieri-type uh, <laughs> composer who has a crush on a more famous one, male, and uh, that male composer steals all my ideas. And uh, So wait, are you saying that Salieri's gay or that and that fueled his rage towards Amadeus? Or you're just yep. saying that you specifically, in your Salieri role, are still gay? Like I'm you were gay in a gay, past yeah. life. <laughs> still gay okay. that, that explains why if i when i say if i had you know been born uh a page female, yeah page i think i would still be gay i think i'm just a gay person so you'd be a lesbian yeah okay i think okay um and then i've we've also got me as a flapper oh, oh okay yeah. um shuffling hooch <laughs> so you're a bartender i'm, fast, I'm, life. I'm a fast talking dame i got short hair and i got the pearls you see <laughs> So no matter Doing what Charleston in a no matter what life you're in, you're gay and a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> I have a rich imagination. 
Yeah, they showed, like, the one old dude, and, like, his past life was, like, some, like, prissy girl, like, combing her doll's hair, and he's like, what is this? <laughs> and I'm, I'm just like, uh, typical gender norm person thinking that he was going to be a dude in his past life. Get over it. in a moment, Mumsy. What the hell's going on here? And that woman, too, who was a sumo wrestler, she was upset about that. Yeah. Yeah. For me, like, I would just naturally assume that, like, gender is a, a 50-50 chance or... Yeah. That's why I'm sort of open to being a Valkyrie. Yeah. I think no matter what life I was in, I would like dudes. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I mean, one of the funniest parts was when Albert Brooks saw his past life. Like, the look of, like, terror and, like, the way that they, like, <laughs> lit his face. I was like, that's grade A comedy yeah. right there. <laughs> Who are you? I'm Prince Valiant. Really? Yeah. Who are you? Dinner. And then, of course, Julia Meryl Streep is a, a Prince Valiant. Right, 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 right. Courageously on her steed, rushing into action. <laughs> I was disappointed, though, at the uh, inner, like, when they had the uh, sort of, like, when you're in the line, please walk to the next thing. And they're like, we can only limit it to the five past lives. It'd be like, well, how do you choose? <laughs> are you picking my shitty ones or are you picking my good ones? Five most recent, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. Like, give me the good ones. I want to see this one where I, like, was a cobbler for 80 years or something. Oh, I don't want to see the, the shitty peasant, like, blacksmithing yeah. one. <laughs> like, I only want to see the fabulous ones. I don't want to see the one where I'm a Victorian-era oyster shucker. <laughs> yeah, I want to see the one where I'm the Korean lady infiltrating the Japanese households. Yeah, fuck yeah. There we go. Either way, you're a lesbian. Like, <laughs> Just wondering how they decide which ones they show you. Yeah, I don't know. It's probably an algorithm in there. Yeah, you think the yeah. Judgment City is that? Well, everyone there is using like 50% of their brain or more That's or something. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine the fine dildos they can craft there. <laughs> oh, my God. The skilled artisans. <laughs> yeah. The dildo artisans. To make a, a stab-proof yeah. uh, dildos. <laughs> We perfected the science of, of the dildo that won't kill you. You go to a sex store in Judgment City, you're walking out with a handful yeah. of dildos and you trip and it's like, oh, oh no! Oh! Oh! oh. Okay! enjoyed watching it so i'm glad yeah, it was fun uh, yeah it's a light fluff piece yeah it's like a baby chew on the outside crunchy on the inside <laughs> uh but what what do we have coming up for us next week matthew well i believe this is our first episode in pride month well that's not happening this year. No prides. No, I, I but that doesn't mean that it's not Pride Month. That's true. I don't know if this really counts as like gay or queer canon, but I want to stick our flag in this mountain. Okay. And I want to do Waiting for Guffman. Yay! <laughs> Another light, fun, fluff piece. Yeah, yeah. It's not classically gay, like when we think of queer movies, but, mm -hmm. you know, I think there's enough in it and that the, the queer character is central enough that I want a slice of it. I want to call it 
for queer culture. Yeah, I would love this movie. It's got some of our favorite actresses in it. Catherine O'Hara, Parker Posey. <sighs> I mean, we can sing along, too. It's a musical. It's a musical, <laughs> in a way. Cool, 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 cool. So, well, in that case, I think it's time that we plug our junk and get the fuck out of here. Go to our Patreon, first and foremost. Ooh, ooh, we've got bonus content there that only patrons can listen to. Basically, if you patron us, you don't have to do any of the other things that we say. <laughs> Yeah, actually, you get pass. <laughs> yeah. So you don't have to go to our Twitter, at X-Rated Movies. You don't have to go to our Facebook, at Rated X Movies. You don't have to go to our email, x.rated.movies at gmail.com. And you don't have to go to our website, xratedmovies.com. I mean, if you want to leave a review and some stars, that's fine. But you don't have to, because you're paying us money. So. But where would they leave us If you stars? wanted to, you could do that on Apple Podcasts or Overcast or, you know, Stitcher Audio, all that stuff. And uh, just if you need a little something to leave, you could just put a little Jimmy Stewart Blomkamp <laughs> or Gloopy Gloop in the Gloopenheim. I'll give you even a name you could use for that, which is Bjork's husband. <laughs> Matthew Barney. Thank you. Do-do-do. I think that's everything. Yeah, I think so. Cool, cool, cool. Well, then, uh, yeah, until we reconvene for next week's episode where we talk about waiting for Guffman. Keep reaching for that rainbow. Bye.